Hey friends, welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm happy that you can join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs as we discuss photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for yet another Boca podcast episode. I hope you're having a wonderful day today. It's a little bit on the rainy side here in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, but I think we're we're looking up. I'm about to have a conversation with Ashley Ebert. And Ashley, we had the opportunity to connect at the United Conference recently, so we've only briefly had opportunity to, to have conversation. I appreciate you making time despite that for me today and for our audience. Uh, thanks for making time for the Boca podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was really fun to kind of hear hear more about um, all of the amazing things that you do when we were at United too. So absolutely happy to make time. Well, I, I just I'm a I have a tendency, maybe to a fault, of just jumping into a relationship, <laughs> like just diving into conversation, and be me like, too. hey, let's let's just do this thing, and um and so again, I to that end, I appreciate the fact that you were willing to to come on the podcast, um, just like that. We had a few minutes of conversation at United, and uh, hopefully, yeah. we have the opportunity to kind of work together a little bit more in the future. And and speaking of the work that you do, it's multifaceted. Uh, yes. But one mm-hmm. of the things that you that you do, and I this is I want to kind of segue this to my first question about brand position. Um, you are a wedding planner, correct? I am. I own a company called the Simply Elegant Group. We've been around for about ten years, which I feel I don't know how how that happened. It was like a blink of an eye. But yeah, we're uh, multi market, so we actually have eight locations. Wow! Across the U.S., we have a team of about forty five women that are employees at Simply Elegant. So wow! Yeah, we're really for us. You know, the intentionality was to provide a platform for women to be planners and have a job that they love. So we had a little bit different of a business model. Um, from the get-go. But yeah, we've definitely learned through failure, (laughs) I think. Um, I think a lot of people here are starting to like, oh, you know. Yeah, so that's kind of where my roots are. And then from that, just have such a love, um, as you do, as we talked about United for wedding professionals and doing what we can to serve them. So I think that's where you and I connected so much. And and now um, I work at a company called The Abundance Group, which helps wedding professionals kind of get strategic in their business. So yeah. Yeah, but everything kind of centers around helping people. And you're right. I think there is mm-hmm. that that um, idea that is common between the two of us. There's something that is just so fulfilling about oh, 100%. in some way mm-hmm. helping or taking care of or serving somebody else. You know, the word service in our industry, I mean, you hear it, um, but I don't know if we use it enough. And, and I think, I mean, I come from a, a pretty highly religious background um, mm-hmm. and it's not something I'm a part of anymore, but that there's a, it seems like there's a connotation to the word service in some cases that's a bit misconstrued, um, mm. you know, as our culture becomes more sensitive and, and multiple facets of our lives to those around us. Um, also that word service maybe carries a bit of a negative connotation. And I, I think that we, there's an opportunity to, to shine a more positive light on it because this idea of serving someone else, uh, i.e., 
being genuinely concerned about their well-being in one form or another, I think, is at the root of a really great existence as human beings. And I think if we focused more on that, our tendency to go inward and get stuck in our head and have all the issues that we do in 2019 culture would, would be minimized. <laughs> I I could not agree with you more. Um, and I think, you know, I've worked very hard. I make a good uh, living monetarily, but I, I will tell you, I would take, you know, again, helping someone else a, a thousand times over from that because of the satisfaction it gives me personally, right? I love helping people, but also the, I think the ripple effect that it causes. I have a two-year-old daughter and for her to experience that as she grows up, um, my husband, my friends, my family, and I'm also affected by it, right? When you see someone do something, um, to help somebody else, I think it just affects us as as human beings. So, absolutely, I yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you with that. And that's interesting. I, as you were saying that, I, I don't know if I'd really ever thought about that before, but maybe part of my drive to help others is it comes from the amazing feeling that I got when somebody, especially unexpectedly, hel- oh, yeah. helped mm-hmm. me. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, because you don't. You know, these days, and and I mean, certainly, I've been guilty of it to be clear. But it's people are kind of in their own worlds, and they're taking they're concerned about themselves, and and yeah. and and so the idea that they would step outside of that, and especially in unexpected circumstances, come and help me with something in one form or another is it, it's just it's a bit surprising. And so to get that feels so good. Yeah, and I think the idea of like, wow, it almost gives you intrinsic value on both sides of it. I am valued by someone when mm. they when they do that for me, or again, unexpectedly, it's everybody knows exactly kind of that spark feeling when someone does something unexpected for them. And I think, but also you get that spark when you do that for someone, it's the same yeah. as, right? holding a door, or, you know, I, I always awkwardly hold doors. So people are like way far away and they like run. I'm like, don't run. I'm, I'm in no hurry. I'm just here for you. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it's that idea of, I think um, just more of that and more of that, um, you know, servant heart. I kind of think about it too, but like, I'm just here to, to help people or to make, their experience, their day, what little interaction or bigger interaction I can have with them, a positive one. And I think that's just kind of a beautiful, beautiful thing that we can do as humans for one another. But I agree with you. <laughs> we went down a very like meta, beautiful <laughs> um, track right away like here, but I, I yeah. agree with you. 100%. And, and as cliche as it sounds, it does, it does come back um, to reward you in, in the yeah. most wonderful ways at times, again, unexpected ways at times, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny how people I've, I've realized this, continue to learn this, I guess that, that people notice, even if, even if it's on a, on a, what seemingly small level, people notice when you are consistently kind and helpful yeah. and mm-hmm. service oriented. And it, it really, you never know how you may be impacting somebody's life and how that may end up coming back in just a wonderful way into your life. And so anyway, that's a wonderful way to, to start off the conversation. Yeah, but I agree. I agree. The, the direction I was going here had to do with your your planning business and mm-hmm. the Simply Elegant group, your brand mm-hmm. position or the unique value proposition that you bring to the market. Because there, I mean, there are so many different planning companies out there, yeah. almost like mm-hmm. photography businesses these days, kind of a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. But what actually sets you apart in those markets that you're in? Yeah, so I think the the opportunity I have is my dad, who is a, an entrepreneurial business coach. He is uh, actually a founding partner of John Maxwell, a prolific leadership trainer and teacher. Um, he also was involved with Gallup when they built Strength Finders. So wow. <laughs> I always say like a titan. And I hit the genetic lottery and <laughs> that's my dad. That's amazing. Um, so when I started the business, I started the business, I was uh, 22, kind of very green. And you know, life 
happened circumstantially for me. My grandmother fell ill. We were all very close. Um, relationships and family is very important to me. So um, I actually ended up at, at 22, kind of stopping my career and moving into being her full-time caregiver for the last year of her life. Wow. And kind of through that was this beautiful, tough kind of paramount time in my life where it was like, okay, what's next? And, you know, what am I doing? And then, you know, my dad kind of <laughs> beaming and nudging like, hey, what about being a, a, a small business owner? So we sat down and honestly, from, from me, I have had strategic input um, in my business from day one in such a creative industry, I think has been such a differentiator for, for us at the civilian uh, group. So really what we're all about in kind of our, our unique value proposition is that we leverage kind of partnerships, preferred vendor relationships as a cost saving for our clients. So I love people. I love hearing their story, learning about their businesses, seeing if it's a good fit, if we have similar um, ideal clients and we'd like to work together vendor to vendor. If it seems like a great fit, the thing that we ask, it's simply elegant. We never profit off any partnerships. We don't get any kickbacks. There's um, different practices within the wedding planning world. Um, and that's just not one that we we participate in. So instead, we just say, hey, um, can you give a value add to our clients? So um, a lot of the times with like the photographers that we'll work with, for example, they'll provide our clients uh, an extra hour of coverage, complimentary. Obviously, there's a, a dollar value attached to that. And kind of with 10 to 15 vendors, that really starts to add up. So we really went towards a tangible cost savings for, because our, our ideal client, honestly, is what we call kind of the average couple or the everyday couple that have a beautiful relationship and they want to celebrate that. Um, so we actually don't position ourselves in the luxury market. For me, I really feel passionate that every couple deserves to have a wedding planner and be able to be present on their wedding day. And every vendor deserves to be supported on the event day as well. So for us, that it's more of a conversation of at the time when we started Simply Elegant, especially in the Midwest, because we're uh, Minneapolis headquartered. And in Minnesota, about 10% of couples used a planner. So for me, rather than competing in that 10%, I looked to the other 90% and I said, well, why are they not hiring a planner? Overwhelmingly, it was cost. Um, they didn't want that to take away from their budget. Um, so then again, dad and I sat down and we created a, a business plan around creating offerings for that 90%. So that's kind of, again, really high level what we do. Uh, we have about 400 partnerships across the country with vendors. My favorite thing is hearing the stories about how our referrals have impacted their business in a big way. All the incentives that we do your, you know, I, my team and I talk directly with the business owner. There's no, um, there's no pressure in what that is. It's really what works for the business owner. We always say super easy for you to deliver and doesn't kill your profit margins because we want to send you a whole bunch of business. And if you're making razor thin margins, that's not helpful. So it's really about, like I say, for the photographers, for example, hopefully at a Simply Elegant wedding, it's a super fun wedding to be at as a photographer. So they have a more relaxed day and that extra hour of coverage for them is no big deal. And honestly, you know, we encourage our team to create very close relationships, especially with 
um, photographers and the players that are are there throughout the day. So we tend to just have a blast while we plan. So our photographers enjoy being at the events and, and you know, gifting that additional hour of coverage is um, is really no big deal for them. You know, it's it's something that they very uh, very much enjoy doing. So we're always trying to find kind of those those beautiful places where it's a win for everybody. And then again, right, we can compound all those savings. So our strategic marketing and our kind of message is our goal, if it's valuable for them, is to save them what we cost them um, as a planning company. So kind of like I say, really high level, but yeah, overall that's kind of our unique. Uh, value proposition at at Simply Elliot. Interesting. Okay, so uh, many directions that I'd like to kind of go here, but yeah. number number one, the the position itself, or at least the strategy, is quite interesting. How do you um, how would you communicate that in like ten seconds or fifteen seconds to a potential client? How do you sum up this idea that you're bringing cost? I mean, you know, a lot of companies talk about in one form or another being inexpensive, a or that there is some type of innate cost savings to their service. So this is a mm-hmm. pretty common message. So, um, and, and brands in general now in wedding planning, it's not as common. Uh, yeah. and it's, and you've, you've demonstrated something very interesting, which I've talked about here on the podcast before, which is looking at the market, seeing where there is a hole in the market. And in this case, it's a massive one. I mean, 90% right. of the market's not hiring mm-hmm. a wedding planner because of cost. So there's an, a massive, massive opportunity. And I encourage all of our listeners, photographers, to when you when you go about creating a position in your market, this is the very thing you need to do. Look at the market, look at the existing businesses, and go where they aren't. That's where you can most effectively find business as quickly as possible. And so, anyway, that being said, how do you effectively communicate? I mean, you explained in great detail just now, which is great. But how would you sum it up in ten or fifteen seconds to a potential client? Yeah, I mean, I, we just say simply, our goal is to save you more than we cost you. Wow. <laughs> That's okay. kind of a really brief kind of tagline that we talk about. And then obviously during our initial consultations, we can kind of break that down for them and we'll use it, um, you know, very specifically to their, uh, where they're at in the planning process. So um, let's say even if they're a couple, you know, three or four months out, they may not have transportation. They may not have hair, makeup. Those are typically booked a little bit later in the process, but so we can show them line item dollar for dollar, what our relationships have built for us. Um, and again, for us, it's really about being strategic and quantifying that. And it doesn't, it, the thing I want to be very clear about is that never, never do our vendors feel like we are taking something from them. We have not done our job at Simply Elegant if, if they ever have felt that way. And we have very candid conversations about what's valuable for you. Um, and I mean, honestly, I've, one of the, my favorite stories is uh, we worked with a photographer and they had, we're booking in the holiday season right around this time. And they said, I have, you know, we've got together one year and she stated, I have, you know, four weddings on my books for next year. I'm panicking. So she's like, you know, I'm stressed. I can't feel present in this holiday season, which she loved. And, you know, I kind of thought to myself, man, there's something I can do here because we, because of the marketing we had done, we had a, a great book of business. So I got really intentional about laser focusing that almost exclusively we were using our preferred vendor list. Now, obviously we let our clients and our couples book anybody. That's no problem. But really we, we, we want their wedding day to be successful and we believe in those that we prefer. Um, the next year was really about, you know, giving those leads to those that 
you know, are believing in our business as well. So we got together the next year and went to coffee um, and she was emotional. And I thought, oh man, kind of my instant reaction was, oh, I could have done more for her. And she said, no, I literally have 15 Simply Elegant clients on my books. I turned my out of office on and I'm getting emotional when I talk about it. But the effect that our team had for her small business is something I will never forget. And so that's what we're trying to find. We're trying to find those moments and those wins for, you know, obviously, you know, the, the client, our client, the vendors that we refer and work with, and then our team um, has had the opportunity to work with thousands and thousands of couples. So that's what we're really trying to do here. And I think sometimes people get a certain kind of taste in their mouth about this idea of discounting. And that's not what it is. It's about finding a beautiful partnership together and kind of a, a, a way to work with each other that works for all the businesses. So this is a pretty in-depth dialogue. And sometimes people like, hey, they know what they can do. They're super you know, flexible with it. And other people, you know, it is more of a conversation. But absolutely, I think for us, it's all about finding um, that win for everybody, truly. So, and I don't know, personally, I hear what you're, you're saying. And then I know that there are photographers out there who are just kind of natural cynics and, and yeah. that they'll mm-hmm. kind of go that direction, but it's not difficult to realize that let's just say your time is worth a hundred dollars an hour. If you're willing mm-hmm. to, to give that hundred dollars for the sake of getting a client who could potentially bring you thousands, I, it, it seems like a, a no brainer, not to mention the fact that now, now they've begun a relationship with you as a wedding planning company mm-hmm. that could also result in further opportunities down the road. So I, it's just, it's interesting to me that photographers would somehow criticize that or complain if they, if they were mm-hmm. looking at the big picture, there would be no reason to. Well, I think there's a lot of education around, you know, charging your worth and never discount your prices. And, you know, I have a particular position on that strategically um, as, as a business owner myself, you know, I will absolutely practice what I preach. If our vendors ask us for the same thing in return, a hundred percent, I know where my profit margins lie. I know what I can offer right. that, that makes it really valuable for our business. And I mean, you think about it, it's an advertising expense, right? That you only exactly. have to pay for when you gain the client and in what world, <laughs> you know, you think about any um, marketplace ad, any, um, you know, Facebook, Instagram, any of that. you're not, you're not guaranteed business, but when you work with us, the only way you have to kind of have that marketing expense is when the client signs you. And we actually do a lot of work where, you know, we'll highlight people um, in, you know, our weddings and our blogs that we do that aren't necessarily preferred vendors and they get, they get clients out of it too. So for us, I mean, really, and, and kind of a word that I circle around a lot is this idea of abundance of making sure that everyone has opportunity that we're doing everything we can. Um, And again, Hey, if, if, we're not necessarily communicating effectively or something changes on your end. Let's talk about it. And for us, like I say, it's really about, it's not as simple as, you know, Hey, give my clients $200 off. It's, that's not the conversation. It's, Hey, we'd love to partner. What is your business doing right now? How can we, you know, build into your business? And what does that look like? What, what is that worth to you? So yeah, no, I agree though. Well, but to your point earlier, like there, there are very few marketing opportunities that a photographer has, at least in a, in a traditional sense, or even, even kind of in a modern sense, when you're looking at social media, where you're going to get, you know, let's say 20 X return on your spend. And again, right. if, if we're quantifying what that hour is worth for the photographer, and as a result of them being willing to, to, you know, quote, donate an hour to right. your client and then to the relationship with your company, and they're yeah. able to book a $3,000 client on which they make two grand. 
I mean, that's just a no brainer. So it it Mm -hmm. seems to make sense. It's a really interesting business model, but I have one more question and we'll keep moving because we have a lot to cover today. Um, This, this model is a fascinating one and it's a very powerful position. And yet when I go to the homepage of your site, the, the, the kind of tagline that jumps out at me is wedding planning made simple. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious of the thought process here when it comes to effectively and very quickly communicating a brand position um, that the you know the primary value proposition that your company brings to the table, what you're communicating there is simplicity. It's built into the name mm-hmm. of the company, but it what you're running on is more about value. How do you mm-hmm. make those two work together, and why not communi- focus on the value piece over the simplicity piece? Yeah, so they're two, you know right. We're always evolving as brands, um, and one of the things that my staff loves is they love working with kind of all different clients. So we're a very inclusive brand, and I think you'll see that as you as you scroll through our homepage when you kind of go down the locations piece. We love working with couples from across the board. So sometimes the conversation about the cost saving model for us comes in the candor of a one on one. So when we're having you know our initial client meetings, we talk them through that so there's no confusion of what that looks like okay so for us um there's multiple facets why you know i love our organization and our team and also creating this um one of the i think bigger trigger points for couples is how complex and stressful weddings can be so for us we're trying to kind of speak right to the emotional Side because weddings are such an, you know, couples are emotional buyers um, in the wedding world. So what we're doing right here is we're trying to create kind of instant the like and trust of like, oh man, it can be easy. Okay. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay. So that's a more visceral kind of reaction than, hey, we can save you some money, <laughs> right? So that education kind of comes in a deeper dive of the relationship. But um, we definitely do talk about it kind of in, in further um, pieces of our site. But yeah, the first kind of message that we have for um, anybody that stumbles on our site is, hey, we want to make this really easy for you and fun. Yeah. This can be, this doesn't have to be such a daunting experience. Um, and then our differentiator kind of when we're in the meeting between us and other planning companies is kind of the cost saving model. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Th- this has been, this has been quite insightful. And, and uh, for our regular listeners, of course, you know, we spend a lot of time around this topic of brand position. I think yeah. actually the last interview that I did, we actually spent about 30 minutes on this very topic. I, there's not enough conversation in, in our industry, the photography industry specifically about the significance of brand position. There's a lot of conversation about, you know, be you and sell you and nobody else is like you. And that's the differentiating mm. factor. And mm-hmm. at, a, at a deeper level, hundred percent. That's very accurate. But the reality is that that person that is the potential client is they, they land on your site. They aren't going to in 10 or 15 seconds know who you are right. at a deeper level. Mm-hmm. And so how are you then communicating what the, what service you are, or the, what value proposition you're bringing to the picture, which mm-hmm. actually separates you from the, the competition around you. And, and for our listeners, that's why we talk about this very idea. It's Mm -hmm. a noisy world out there and you need to be able to, in a very short amount of time, capture the attention of that potential client and communicate why you, that they should book you over anyone else. And Mm -hmm. that's the significance of the brand position. So, well, and I, I think too, with this, the idea, and I, and you know, I work with many photographers um, on the coaching side of my life and it's the idea of, Yes, like you said, in the depth of what it's talking about, they are talking about you and what's what makes you different. But the thing we have to remember is couples that come to your site, they want it to be about them. 
right? They want it yeah. to be about how their day is going to be amazing yeah. or how you're going to be able to give them, you know, the gift of these memories, um, you know, for, uh, for their wedding day. So when kind of, when we pull the, we, we pull the ego out of it and we say like, maybe as a photographer, what do I enjoy doing or what am I good at? What can I, what value can I add to the market? Um, it's not necessarily, it's a little bit of a, a nuanced conversation. I think from, you know, make it about you, it's make it about your gift and how you can again give, right? Kind of how we started the the podcast. How can you give to the couples that you're working with that's different and that is valuable for them? Yeah. So, but I I completely agree with you that it's this, it is a, it's such a saturated market that it's hard to kind of know what that is if you haven't done the work uh, intentionally to figure it out. But I'm glad that you highlight how we do have to set aside ego and we need to make it more about the person that we want to serve. And and Mm -hmm. this is, there's a wonderful book. I'm, I'm assuming, Ashley, you've probably read it too, called "The Story Brand" uh, or oh, "Building Building a Story Brand" Donald by Donald Miller. Miller. Yeah, yeah, love him. And yeah. and he focuses on this very idea, which is let's stop mm-hmm. talking about ourselves. Let's talk about how we're going to serve the other person, and let's highlight mm-hmm. that. How do we make them the hero of their own story? Yeah. And, and be the ones that are, he calls it a guide, but the person that mm-hmm. comes along and enables them to to live out that story as the hero. That that is what we should focus on. And actually, we're getting ready to reposition our brand at Photographer's Edit uh, following that thought process. But partially because as we look at the market, we're seeing others who have kind of copied our brand position in the industry. And now it just kind of seems like everybody's doing the same thing. So we're Mm -hmm. going to, we're looking at the market, we're pivoting, we're shifting. We're we're also repositioning Mm -hmm. based on this idea of focusing on how we actually add value to that photographer's life. And um, I'm excited about the process. In the next month or so, we'll be uh, updating our site and the, and the messaging and so forth. But um, it, for those of you listening in, take some time, think about this idea of brand position. We're not, I'm not just talking about this for the sake of filling up time. There is, there's some significant value here for you as a photographer, especially mm-hmm. if you're a new photographer or going into a new market, see what the market's doing and look for an opportunity, uh, a hole, uh, if you will, that hasn't been filled yet um, or a hill that nobody is standing on, a position that you can take, which actually is different than everyone, anyone else and focus on how you can effectively or most effectively serve the, the market in that way. And you'll be a leg up on the, the so-called competition. So we'll yeah, leave, I agree. We'll, we'll leave that alone for now. That was it. That's, I really appreciate your insight <laughs> though, Ashley. And let's jump to the next question and we'll stick with a 15 second answer on this one. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. From all that you've learned as, as a business owner so far, and I know you've been involved in a lot, what would be maybe the most important piece of advice that you would want to share with a fellow entrepreneur? Yeah, I think this this is a hard question. I wanted to be really thoughtful on this. And I think it's the idea of learn. So from educators, influencers, people that you that are credible, test whatever that is, you know, if it's, you know, Facebook ads, for example, test, learn from that test and adjust and and just keep doing that. So it's this idea of learn, test and adjust learn, test, and adjust. And I think the nice, the, it sounds very like clinical, but I think the thing that I love about this is because it becomes, it becomes almost compartmentalized from ourselves. So we can't be, our ego can't be bruised or we can't feel um, imposter syndrome or any of these things. I think as entrepreneurs, we deal with so much because all we're just doing is testing. We're just learning something new. Yep. We're testing out what we've learned and we're adjusting based on what that test tells us. So I think the beauty that it gives you is it kind of makes it so it's not a personal um, failure, right? If we post or if we 
put a bid out or if we do a style shoot that doesn't get that doesn't get picked up, we're just testing. Hey, well, what what's the market telling me? What is what have I learned from this? And how do I adjust moving forward? And I think that's really the key to success that successful entrepreneurs have mastered is they just keep, and that's this idea of keep moving forward Yep. because that's all they're doing. They're just learning, they're testing, they adjust. And that's, that's all they do. Um, and I think that is a really big kind of mindset to have when you're, when you're owning your own business. Well, and innate to all that is, is again, what you said earlier, setting the ego aside, it's, it's mm-hmm. understanding that you've never figured it all out. And, and you also innate to that idea is that you, I get you've never reached the peak, right? There's always, something's always going to be changing in the market and you have to be willing to, to see that make adjustments, flex and flow, and mm-hmm. that's important. But yeah, I can see a, a t-shirt or, a, or even an Instagram quote here. Entrepreneurship equals learn, test, adjust, repeat. Oh, um, 100%. That, that yeah. is so much of what we need to be doing. And that's a really great reminder. Well, and the other thing is it's hard. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I oh, never yeah. take anything personally or I never get affected <laughs> right emotionally. Like, that's not the truth. Like, right. business owner, like being an entrepreneur is hard yeah. and it's emotional. But I think if you can, it, it allows you to take steps forward if you just say, oh, I'm just testing. I'm just trying this out. Um, so it's not the idea of like, oh, all my eggs are in this basket, you know, and if it, go, you know, if it fails, I'm a failure. No, I'm just testing. I'm just seeing if it, if it lands. Um, and I think that gives some permission to have us try. It gives us some confidence to try. Yeah. I think, you know, success is all about moving forward. And if this frame of mind helps, um, I, I, I use it all the time, to be honest. I'm like, Hey, I'm just testing that didn't go well, but, <laughs> but now I know. Um, but like I say, it gives me, gives me the confidence. Just keep going. That's keep perfect. Trying. That's perfect. That's a great, great piece of advice. Talk to me about time with, with family. I mean, I know you work with your dad, but then you, mm-hmm. you have your own family and you're running multiple businesses. How do you, are there certain concepts, principle, maybe even just one or two that you could share that enable you to create space and time for yourself and for your family and not get overrun by being a business owner? Yeah, well, there's one mindset and one tactical. So mindset for me is the idea of, um, I love the concept of work-life integration versus work-life balance. Okay. I have the, the, opportunity. So my daughter's um, turning two next week. And I was like, you know, I want to do something fun, but I don't necessarily want to throw a party. I want to go have an experience because time is one of the things I get pulled away as a mom. So I was like, let's just go up, go up North for the weekend and I can rearrange my schedule. It's no big deal. So it's this idea of I'm able to build my own life and work is a big part of it. Like I might have a call when we go up north, but I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm executing as a business owner, but I'm also doing it in the frame of mind that I want to do it, right? I would rather have that time. So it's just this concept of work-life integration. I can fluidly move between the two, okay. which is not the case with a corporate job, right? You're there nine to five. You can't just take days off. You can't just move your schedule around. And I think in, in heavy seasons to remember that and to remind yourself of the flexibility that we have as entrepreneurs, um, because I think it gets lost <laughs> because we feel like we're working all the time. This is, it's this beautiful relationship where you can flow in and out of work at any time of your choosing. And I think that's been really helpful. Tactical wise, I think one of the things that helps me that I honestly, I didn't do until my daughter was born. But I do something at the end of every work day or the end of a work session where I have about 20 to 30 minutes where I wrap everything up. So I'm 
either listing out the things I didn't get done today that I need, you know, need to do tomorrow, or I'm sending out that final email. I kind of have a 30 minute slot at the end of every day where it kind of helps me wrap everything up in a nice bow. So then when I'm done with work, I'm done with work and I can go and have dinner with my husband. I can be present with my daughter. I'm not thinking about those 700 things that, you know, I'm worried about or I didn't get to or shoot that email or, oh, I didn't, do, I didn't comment back on that poster. I didn't write. I have time built in to my work days to take care of that. And it allows me to be completely present when I, when I kind of turn off work mode. So that's a tactical one that I, that's been really helpful for me. How do you, I, I like the notion of not being all or nothing, only work, only play. Um, yeah. I, as I have a tendency of being kind of extreme in one, dire- one direction or the other um, in life in general. And, and I'm realizing the significance of, of kind of pulling back from that mindset. It's not a healthy one on multiple levels, but I, I still think that, I mean, I see the way, and I've certainly been guilty of it. I see the way photographers function in day-to-day life. It's so easy to get, you know, they'll leave their email notifications on all the time, social media notifications on. So mm-hmm. even if they're, quote, on vacation, they're still yeah. engaging with work. And, you know, I like the idea of that you described. Like, you're on vacation. You're taking a weekend away. You took a phone call. That took, whatever, half hour, an hour. It wasn't a big deal. It was, you know, 2% of your time there. The rest of the time, you were focused on being away and being with your family or whoever. That's a wonderful quote balance how do you how do you make sure that that you maintain the focus on that the connection with the people around you while simultaneously allowing a little bit of room for work uh, I think it's about communication so like I'll tell my husband hey Nate I'm you know I have to take this call or whatever um, anything you need for me before that or he'll know when I'm done that again, I kind of take that time to completely shut my work brain off. Okay. <laughs> and then when I, you know, we cook dinner a lot together. Um, so then I'm in that moment fully with him. Cool. Um, and again, I think the idea of being grateful for the fluidity of that work-life balance and saying, you know, Hey, this call on my vacation allowed me to take the vacation because I own my own business, because I call the shots, because I make mm. the money I want to make. I'll take this call, but I'm doing it because I'm so grateful that I can go up to up north with my family for four days, yeah, you know, yeah. impromptu. And hey, I couldn't do that if I didn't take calls like this middle of the day or middle of a Saturday, right? I really um, love that. Yeah. So finding gratitude, I think, in that it allows you actually to be the successful business owner that you are <laughs> to be connected. So yep. yeah. Wow. I could, I could go way deep down that hole too. That, but I love that I love perspective. It. Um, and I really appreciate it. That's honestly, it's a great encouragement for me and a good reminder for me. And I'm going to be thinking about that after yeah. our podcast, but let's jump to the next question. And that has to do with an impactful business or self-help book. You strike me as one that probably reads a lot. Is that the case? I'm actually a podcast junkie. Are you? Okay. So we, dr- I drive a lot just cause I'm in Minneapolis in the car and usually my appointments are about a half hour, 45 minutes from where I live. So I'm, okay. I'm in the car a lot. Um, so I mean, you touched on one of them. I love, I love building a story around with Donna Miller. It's a favorite of mine. The business side. I like James Wedmore, mind your own business. I like online marketing with Amy Porterfield, the art of online business. I'm starting to get into with Rick Moretti. He does uh, Facebook ads. So I'm always, I'm, a, I'm very curious. I love to learn. Yeah. So very interested in how Facebook ads are impacting our, our industry and how I think they will impact it. And then over the next couple of years, uh, so setting that a favorite, I think is uh, marketing your business with Stu McLaren. I'm a huge Stu McLaren fan too. He is a uh, kind of a guru of all things, membership sites. Okay. So the abundance group is a membership site. So learning from him has been such a huge leg up for us. Uh, he's such a, again, 
his, his concept, which I love, is all about not being afraid of making money because the more money you make, the more generous you can be. So it kind of takes this evil layer off of money. And it's like, yeah. hey, the more you make, the more you can give. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I love that. That that alone, I think, um, is helpful for me. I, I mean, I have some limiting beliefs around money. Um, and he's such a great teacher around that. And then I would say on the... On the personal side, a podcast called um, On Purpose with Jay Shetty. He was a monk. I think I heard about him on like Lewis Howell's podcast, but he was a monk for years and years. And he kind of brings that mindset of gratitude into his life. And he has a really beautiful way that he tells stories and brings on podcast guests that are, it's, I'm like, I cry like every episode. <laughs> really? um, it's just, a, yeah, it's a great I, humanity. It's just, yeah. Those are, I mean, I could go on. I'm such a podcast junkie. <laughs> yeah. You said that to me before oh, we started man. too. Yeah. We'll, we'll make sure to link to all these and, and Haley who produces the show, will put these in the show notes for everybody listening in, take advantage because I mean, the, the podcast episode in and of itself is great, but I know that you probably didn't hear every single thing. So any of the resources that we reference, it's going to be in the show notes, bocapodcast.com. Uh, we'll also have the talking points from today's conversation, uh, which we're actually going to get into now. We're, we're talking about marketing, more specifically strategic marketing uh, for wedding pros. You know, I mean, marketing is, it's a massive, massive, massive topic. And especially for somebody who's just starting their business or maybe is, is a number of years into it and they're kind of lost trying to figure out what to do next. It can be a bit overwhelming. You're not sure what to do next. You've come up with a really easy formula and I'd love to just kind of jump in because this is a, this is loaded. Um, yeah. just for you to share that formula with our listeners and we'll kind of dig into each of the points. Yeah. So, I mean, we've coached hundreds of wedding pros and you're, you're spot on that. I think marketing just, it's such a, a, a mammoth conversation. So it just innately causes confusion. And that's what we wanted to take away. We wanted to build a framework around marketing to kind of give you a grasp on how to leverage it in your business. So we love this. Dad and I took months to work this through together. Um, and we built something called the awesome marketing formula and it's an acrostic. So it's the idea of every letter speaks to kind of a pillar of marketing. Um, and I'll run through them and obviously we can dive into any that you want to talk about, but so awesome. A is for advertising. W is for your website. E is for education. So how can you position yourself as an authority to your ideal client? S is for social media. O is for other, so amazing things like podcasts, being on podcasts. M is for meeting new people, so networking. And E is for email marketing. Um, and really, again, we wanted to give this framework of like now every component of marketing is within these seven pillars. So it kind of, when you, when you think about it, think about an awesome marketing formula, right, for your business. Um, and like I say, uh, we spent months and months kind of pulling the data of all the different plan marketing plans we've seen, we've done, our clients have used, and what were these these pillars? Um, and we broke it down kind of into those those seven. So, I, um, and I am I think I'm just going to kind of run down each of these. Maybe have a yeah. question for for each of them. But yeah, when, when we talk about the idea of advertising, um, that's almost like saying marketing. It's it's kind of a broad term. So, can mm -hmm. you give a little bit more context to that word and how it's different from some of the other elements, which almost seem to kind of fall underneath that word? Yeah. So for us, advertising is paid promotion. So you're paying, you're exchanging money for again 
like a real estate agent, they're going to be on a bus bench. That's a, that's a valuable advertising cost for them. Okay. You know, for us, we have um, different platforms, different marketplaces as wedding pros that we can pay to be a part of and have a listing. So right. it's an exchange of money. So when we think of advertising, we're talking about it from a paid standpoint of a, a, you pay to play or you pay to have a, a piece of the pie. Interesting. Okay. So what would you say is one platform that has been undervalued by wedding pros, maybe photographers specifically when it comes to paid advertising? Well, I think there's, uh, so it kind of makes me think in two different ways. I think Facebook ads, I think there's a learning curve. There are a lot of great people out there right now that are creating solutions around Facebook ads, both done for you, but also in training and teaching. Um, I think Facebook ads, it feels like a daunting um, you know, thing to learn or to implement in your business. So I think when we're all busy and doing a bunch of other things, if, you know, having something that has a really steep learning curve is difficult, but I, the, the research and the, the knowledge I've gained around the, the targeting and how you can really truly get in front of your ideal client and, and speak to them in the way that's valuable and the conversion rates of, of Facebook ads that are done well, it's, uh, it's unreal. Um, and we all know how much data Facebook has <laughs> on oh, all of us, right? Amazing, yeah. Um, so leveraging that as a business owner in a way that works for your business because you're providing a beautiful service to someone else and you're adding value for them. I think that's a good thing. You know, I think that's where it can be used for good. I think Facebook ads, the other one, honestly, I think for me, that has been really influential for Simply Long is the not. I know it's a lot. People kind of have charged emotions around either side. But when when building a storefront correctly and positioning your brand message correctly to that audience, it's very successful for us at Simply Elegant. Huh, that's really interesting. Okay. Yeah. Website. I mean, this is, again, it could be multiple podcast episodes just dealing yeah. with this one topic. But what would you say is the thing that stands out to you as a, almost a, like a glaring shortcoming that, that you notice when, when you go to Wedding Pro's websites, or maybe photographers specifically, their websites, so an opportunity that they're missing with their website? Yeah, I think you and I are going to be paralleled on this. Um, And Davy Jones does, he did an awesome talk. I don't remember where I saw it, but on clarity, making Mm. sure your website is very clear that there's so much, again, there's so much noise. There's so much going on um, that if they don't know what you do or how you do it or who you serve, they're probably on to the next website. So making it as crystal clear for them of how you can add value, how you can be their guide, right? In Donald Miller's terms, <laughs> um, how you can help them, I think is the most valuable piece of the website. Interesting. And and should that be, I mean, this is almost obvious, but that, that should be front and center, right? I mean, like the first thing that they see when they land on that page. Right. I mean, as you spoke to with our website, the first thing you see is wedding planning made simple. Hmm. I want our clients to know, hey, it doesn't have to be hard. You don't, I don't want you to be overwhelmed. We don't, we want to be with you in this. We don't want it to feel that way. It doesn't have to be. And again, that's our target market because we aren't niching down to luxury or we have multiple locations across the U S. So it is, we have been very thoughtful about how we approach our marketing, but making it crystal clear, having them know, having the the couple that's going to resonate with your services, know that they're in the right place right away. We are, again, we, we serve couples. We're very inclusive at Simply Elegant. So we're, we show that in our locations that we have GLBTQ couples, we have multicultural weddings featured, we have, right. So all for us, we love being a part of as many couples day as possible. So that message is a different one than someone that maybe has a specific firm on a photography perspective. You know, 
shoots a certain way or loves to work at certain venues, right? There's just different narratives that you can have. But I think at the core of it, having a website that is very clear about how you can help and how you can guide, be a guide, is is the thing that matters when it comes to conversion. Clarity, clarity. Yeah, that is so important. And, and don't get yeah. lost. And I mean, there's, it seems like there's so much text um, many, many times on photographers' websites, much of which is taken up by talking about, you know, their favorite food and the fact that they'd like to hang out and watch Netflix. Like these, totally. it, it's, it's irrelevant to the, the primary questions, which you pointed out, Ashley, what do you do? How do you do it? And who do you serve? Right. You need to make sure that the, the potential client knows that immediately when they land on your site and don't make them comb through three paragraphs of text to find that out. Right. Um, and you can see this on Ashley's site. If you go to the simplyelegantgroup.com, it, it is a very clear four word, large font, colorful <laughs> heading, wedding planning made simple. And there's an opportunity for you as a photographer to do the same thing. So if you're listening in and you don't have those three questions answered and just a few words on the homepage, at the top of the homepage of your site, make sure you go do that as soon as possible. It is a differentiator for sure. You know, and I think the idea of like, hey, I love, um, you know, pancakes or whatever, when people write that, all they're trying to do is connect with their their audience. They want to be like, oh, yeah, me too, right? But the connection can be found when you're intentional about your strategic marketing, can be found in different ways that are actually more valuable and will be a better source for conversion for you. So it's it's not that the principle is wrong with the, you know. Not at all information about you but if i promise if you flip it to how you can help them have a better wedding or better memories of their wedding or have again this visceral response to what you can do for them your email will light up <laughs> that is the key i think yeah from a well, website perspective yeah and to be and i'm glad that you said that because I, to be clear i'm not minimizing the significance of the personal relationship and, and right. in fact mm-hmm. ashley and i were actually talking about the, the importance of connection before we even started recording. That is a that is a driving factor, certainly for myself. In fact, it's literally mm-hmm. a value I have in the home screen of my phone. I, I enjoy connecting with people in, in a way that goes beyond the surface level. But we have to keep in mind that people are scrollers. My, my son, my 17-year-old son, and I had this conversation a little while back. He had commented on a post. I think he commented on a post that I made, mm-hmm. and I and I asked him a question about it, and he couldn't answer because he had just scrolled through, saw the picture, double clicked, and kept going. He didn't know what I was right. actually talking about in the post, and right. that's the reality of how many, if not most, people in 2019 culture function. And we have to keep that in mind. We don't have to hold it against them. We just have to design a website that accommodates that reality. And mm-hmm. so that means keep it simple and put that in the important, most important information up front. They can get to know you. There's a wonderful opportunity to do that, but make sure that they know how you're going to make their lives better very, very clearly, very simply, and uh, that will differentiate you. Let's, uh, education. So we have A's for advertising, W's website, E mm-hmm. for education. Mm-hmm. So a couple of different directions I could go here. One, I mean, first of all, everybody, it seems, is offering a workshop these days. That's, that's mm-hmm. the, like the end thing to do in the photography world anyway. And that is w- only one of many directions you could go when we talk about education. Establishing yourself, though, as an expert. This is something that's been talked about for a while. We can do this writing blog posts. We can create podcasts. And there are other ways as well, creating vlogs uh, or video mm-hmm. content. But how do we do that and that content not kind of get lost in the mix? Because the reality is there are a lot of people creating educational content because they know this is what they're supposed to do. Right. They're supposed to do. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to do all these things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The education side for us is the idea of thinking about how you position yourself as authority to your ideal client. Okay. So 
when I talk about it, I talk about your clients being couples. So a lot of the times I think as a, as a natural progression, and hopefully those that are creating courses have immense credibility and experience as they're teaching. But a lot of the times, you know, when you've been in the industry for long enough, you can start to pivot who your ideal client is. So now my ideal client is other pros or other wedding photographers. And that's great. So I think that's a completely separate business, truly. When we talk about it in terms of your wedding clients, it's how can you educate them to build no like and trust. So this idea of like, you know, one of the things we do at Simply Elegant is we give away to anybody that we talk with or that we're, you know, prospecting on social or however, right? However we meet them, give away the top planning tips from our planning team. So our team collaboratively got together and we kind of had fun with this of like, what are the best like nuggets of planning tips, you know, that that we have? And we created just a, a you know, PDF that we send out or a blog that we have that we direct people to. So for us, it's about the couple reads that and goes, oh man, I didn't even think of that. And now instantly we now know more than they do, right? We're their guide. We're like helping them through all these different, you know, minefield of all the things they can do wrong when planning a wedding. We're helping them through that. So now the, the credibility we have in our prospect's mind is very different than just saying, hey, book a, book a session with us. So it's about creating yourself as an authority to your prospective client. So finding opportunities. A lot of this is done through blogs or through social media posts themselves. But you're thinking about how you can educate what, what your knowledge base can do to help couples in the wedding world. So again, photographers, this can be very different about posing, right? Every couple wants to make sure that they look good in their photos, right? Everybody wants to look good. So maybe teaching them, because you know, that's kind of a, a pain point of your potential client to feel comfortable in front of the camera to make sure that they know they're going to be captured in a flattering way, teaching them, hey, here's five ways to make sure you look great in all photos, right? You're educating a couple, not necessarily other photographers, which that's great too. It's a separate business. Um, but this way they're going to go, Oh man, yeah, I learned that from Sally Jones photography, you know, and they're going to share that with their friends. Cause we always love to be kind of in the know and share that knowledge with others. Oh yeah. Go, go check out that blog. I, I talked about, this is so great. And this is where also content be- can become viral, right? Cause they're sharing all of these different pieces. But so really it's the idea of educating and using education to your your wedding couple. Um, but hopefully that also translates for those that that are looking to build courses for other other wedding pros as well. But I, I guess I'm I'm still thinking about maybe this is just kind of the cynic in me. I need to think more like the client, but I I'm, I'm, yeah. th- I'm thinking about the re- the repetition, the repetitive content, the almost duplicate content. If I go and create a a blog post about how to you know dress for an event. I know that that's been done sixty eight thousand times on you know fifty three thousand other blogs. It, it seems like I'm just kind of rinsing and repeating, doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. So how do I create content not only that obviously benefits my potential client, but then also doesn't just look like the same thing that everybody else is is creating? I mean, podcasts we, podcasts have become the thing to do. When I started mm-hmm. this podcast, Boca, back it's been three and a half years or so ago. It was before the massive boom happened with podcasts. Yeah. There was an opportunity to to create a different type of content than blog posts because I again I didn't want to do the same thing that everybody else was already doing, so the podcast made sense for I mean for that reason as well as others. But 
particularly because of that reason. So mm-hmm. are there opportunities to somehow differentiate ourselves? If we are creating the same type of content that already exists on other websites, how do we make sure we create that differentiation? Yes, I love this. And this is spot on because we are in a saturated market. It's just there are a lot of wedding pros out there, planners, photographers, everybody. Back to kind of a comment I had earlier of learn, test, adjust. You can learn what other you know photographers are putting out there. Know your ideal client and what they care about. Where's that hole, right? You spoke beautifully of like, hey, where's that missing component? And learning throughout the industry of like what's out there, what's being talked about. I mean, this takes work, this takes time, but this is marketing, right? So it's a big part of what we do. Marketing and prospecting is a huge part of owning your own business. So understanding that. So learning what's out there or what's not out there or what take do you have that's interesting and unique and telling the story. So testing it, whether it's through a blog, through you know doing a podcast, there's a million different ways to talk to your audience and then see what hits and what doesn't. And do more of what people are liking. So, uh, for example, again, posing, I'm sure, right? As a, as a non-photographer, that's the thing I think of. Because <laughs> um, it's the thing I'm like, ah, as, as, again, because I don't know it, it's one of the things like, oh, that would be valuable for me to know. But like posing, right? Everybody's talked about it. But what take can you have that's unique to your brand position, right? Thinking about it. How do you intentional? you got to think about it. got to do the work to whip out those notebooks and take notes and just brainstorm, right? So what's unique for your brand position, but what also, how can you leverage education um, around, like I say, posing, um, if that's something that you know your client. Um, I, I just know that because couples always tell us like, oh, I'm just so worried we're not going to look good in pictures. Interesting. And I guarantee you, if you can pacify that, you, you booked like half of our clientele at Simply Elegant. Huh. That's really interesting to hear. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Okay. So moving on then to social. So we've got A for advertising, W website, E for education, S for social. Again, we could go so many different directions here. Um, Instagram, yeah. Facebook, we've talked about today. Uh, there is there is uh, there are rumblings, shall we say, of, of TikTok. Um, mm-hmm. And um, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk talks about TikTok and, and then LinkedIn as well being another platform that's kind of up and coming, although that, that yeah. may play a little bit more effectively B2B. But yeah. have mm-hmm. you started experimenting with TikTok at all or other platforms that are a little bit less mainstream? I, I shouldn't say less mainstream because TikTok is very much mainstream, but it's geared yeah. toward a younger crowd. Yeah. Um, what does that look like for you all? And how? what is that? And this is a big question. Um, totally. What is the strategy for you as far as social media is concerned? Kind of what's your end goal with it? Yeah, well, I think uh, TikTok specifically, we have not personally started to invest time and attention into it because for us, the user base is just still too young, to be honest. I mean, those that want to forge a relationship for four or five years, um, that's just what you're going to be doing on TikTok mostly is you're going to be getting brand awareness. And obviously, I think think, uh, oftentimes too in the wedding world, there's so much transition that for me, there isn't quite a proof of concept yet that TikTok is going to be valuable long-term for wedding professionals. Now, you know, talk to me in two years and the, our demographic is going to change of who the buyer is. So now there might be a more conversation where, you know, hey, it's simply all in a couple of years. That might be something that we're investing in. You know, it's funny. One of the ones for me that I have not done a good enough job in and we are turning our attention towards in 2020 is actually Pinterest. Yeah. So you hear a lot about it. There's a lot of, again, really great educators on it. It's one of those platforms where you're like, oh, I just, I don't even know where to start because really, right? Pinterest is a search engine and not social media. Um, but I think 
it's literally built for like recipes and weddings. And there's so many people that don't do the work on the, on the platform. It's like, man, it's been such a missed opportunity. So for me personally, honestly, um, our simply elegant team is diving into it a bit more in 2020, um, to really leverage and use it uh, in the way, like, you know, there's apps out there like tailwind where you can do smart loops and it can be a really effective tool, um, to buy back your time as a business owner, to repurpose content and have fresh relevant content. So we're always trying to find those those nuances, those new ways to evolve your business. And I think in social, it's just you have to kind of pick your platforms too. You know, if you're going to be all in on Instagram, don't think you're going to be all in on Facebook, TikTok, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and all the things, right? <laughs> it's like kind of pick your platform. And I think that's a pretty um, widely accepted take on on social media um, but I think it's very true so kind of doubling down on the platform and again thinking about your ideal client where do they hang out um, so for us with like the TikTok conversation they're not quite there yet they are on Instagram for us still for sure well and, yeah. and you're right I mean there that 80 20 principle comes to mind here when you're talking about kind of picking one or two platforms to focus on the reality mm-hmm. is if we're sole proprietors and we only have you know we don't have the luxury of a, of a team um, many photographers don't then their resources, particularly when it comes to time, are limited. And yeah. so you tend to have to focus where you can get the best results. I also understand where Gary is coming from and, and looking to the future. And it's important to, to take that into consideration as, as an entrepreneur as well. And they said this about like Periscope. Do you remember Periscope a couple years yeah, ago? They yeah. thought that was going to be the next big thing. And for me, I'm a little, honestly, I'm a little bit of a late adopter to social because I really want it to be proven mm. <laughs> before I hop on and, and use my resources. Um, I really, and like Instagram, we were kind of late to the game on Instagram and at Simply Elegant. Um, and we actually just, we just came back from a year off of Instagram at Simply Elegant. Really? Yeah. So uh, for me, it's really about um, proof of concept a little bit for a little bit more so than some of the early adopters. And again, hey, the early adopters can get traction quickly when the platforms do take off. But for me, it's like, ah, it's just. I don't know too much of, too much of a bet for me to bet some of the the time and resources that's of fair. our team. That's but fair. Yeah, yeah. By the way, for everybody listening in, and actually for you as well, Ashley, if in case you haven't seen this episode, episode two seventy here on the Boca Podcast, we did uh, an interview. Or I did an interview with Sheree Davenport, um, who had some really eye opening perspective on the topic of Pinterest and using leveraging Pinterest. <sighs> to grow, um, in, in her case, a photography business. But I think that the principles are relevant kind of across the board. It might be something that, to check out just oh, as a, know, kind of a starting place. Podcast junkie. <laughs> I wrote it down. I'm, I'm listening to it after we hop off. Cool. Well, we'll, <laughs> I love Pinterest stuff. Yeah. yeah, we'll link to this in the show notes for everybody listening in as well. Episode 270 with Sheree. Uh, shout out to Sheree. It was, a, it was a really eye-opening podcast episode for me as an interview. It was, it was fun. But, I love it. Um, all right, so we, we have social and then O, um, for mm-hmm. this acrostic awesome other you mentioned you know other potential opportunities for for marketing content uh, podcast is one thing you threw out are there a couple of other examples you can mention yeah another one we talk about a lot is like a mailer like a fun thing that you can like put in a mail that's memorable like you know um that's still a thing in 2019 huh totally okay. like who, right i think more so right because we don't get mail got like, it nailing a coconut like what is this like this idea of like something fun and different like yeah. it's a it's a disruptor in your everyday that you become memorable um and i think the really the honestly this is kind of one of my favorite letters in the acrostic to to hear what other people can come up with because this is all about creativity in your business um so as creative entrepreneurs 
um, I think in our industry, I've just seen, you know, like I say, if, if it's something fun and different, if it's a way for you to stick out, it can be something like, instead of maybe, um, you know, focusing on your client, but you know, you get a lot of vendor referrals. Is there something great and beautiful you can do for vendors that are for you? Throwing a little holiday cocktail hour, you know, you know, giving them experience around that. We do something called VIPs and venues. <laughs> it's where we uh, we partner with a limousine company in all of our markets and they basically take around our vendors and kind of our preferred vendors as well as just friends in the industry around where we go check out new, new venues together. It's this really fun uh, kind of networking opportunity, but it's in a different way. It's in a different way that works really well for our our brand and kind of what we care about. It's simply like we could, to your point, we absolutely care about relationships and deep relationships and caring about others. So that type of networking, you know, we're having champagne, we're relaxing, we're enjoying each other's company. It's just a blast and you're quote unquote networking, but man, it really feels fun. And you're going out and seeing these really cool venues that maybe you wouldn't get the time to do, um, you know, one-on-one. Venue coordinators love it because they're touring. You know, we've had a group of 60 vendors <laughs> that went through it. And I wow. mean, 60 vendors at one time, that's pretty effective for their time. And we're highlighting some amazing venues. Obviously, we know that venue partnerships are really valuable in our industry. So finding uniques, um, and as planners, right, we throw events and we can, you know, bring all that together very easily. So for us, that was kind of a fun and unique way that we did, um, that we market throughout our different locations. And, and of course, the next letter is M, and meeting and networking. This is something yeah. we were just talking about. What's something that you do? Because one of the experiences, and I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but I, going to networking meetings has never been, uh, and maybe I just had the wrong attitude, frankly, but I, I just, there was this fakeness about it um, mm. many times that, was, that, I've, that I've seen. It was just, it was such a turnoff. Like, you know, people are there to quote network. And they kind of put mm-hmm. on a face and maybe even get a tone of voice yep. and, and, and they're handing a business card and, and that's kind of it. And it just feels so fake. And I just don't like that kind of interaction. I want, yeah. even if it means I'm going to only have two or three conversations, I'd like to actually connect with somebody and go beyond the surface mm-hmm. level. How do you, how do you kind of proactively create more interesting and deeper conversation at these networking events? Yeah, this is, um, this is, we teach a lot around networking because it's the thing I love. I love networking. Like when we got, you know, I walked up to your, your booth at United and I was like, Hey, tell me what's going on. You're right. That is the difference in framing your mind that you're there to learn about other businesses, not to pitch your business Hmm. totally takes the pressure off you because now you're, you don't have some frame in your mind of like, I need X amount of business cards or I need to land this deal or whatever. Um, you're just there to simply learn and experience the other human beings that are in that room with you. What are their stories? What are their businesses? And how can your business add value to their business? That to me just becomes very interesting. And I'm very curious. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. And oh, yeah, we have a branch in Denver. And oh, let me connect you out with, you know, right. It's that's that idea of I'm finding ways to help them. And really, I mean, people people enjoy, like we talked about, that feeling you get when someone helps you. Like that's a really that's a that's a that's a really tangible, I think, experience for a lot of people. So they'll, for me, my goal is again to leave them feeling like, hey, Cynthia Elgin, that's a cool group. I like them. I want to know more about them. You know, they seem really approachable. That's a that's language we use all the time throughout our website. Approachable as planners, right? That's kind of 
very much not the case with, yeah. with some experiences we've run into. Yep. But that's not that's not how we do business. For us, it's about working together and how can I help you? So I I coach a lot around this of the idea of hey, strip away. I don't I haven't had business cards in like six years ever. <laughs> like I just don't hand them out. I get business cards okay. from people. It also makes it that I'm in control of continuing the relationship. So I can email back or I can, right. I can move the relationship further if I feel like it's a good fit, but really, and we all know we can find everybody on Instagram. Oh, sure. (laughs) Right. They're going to tag themselves at the event. Oh yeah. There's Cassie. There's Jose. Right. Like I can find them and I can, I can reach out and connect further. But for me, it's about, Hey, I'm just, I'm curious about your business. And is there any resources I have available that I can push you closer to your dream? And your vision for your business. There's actually, I'm, I'm on the homepage of your your Instagram, which for everybody listening, yeah. in it, it's tag Ashley, just like yeah. it sounds. And we'll, we'll link to this in the show notes. But under your name, uh, which by the way, yeah. thank you for actually putting your full name in your Instagram profile. People <laughs> don't do this and it blows my mind because they'll have their business name. You go there and you want to know who they are. Like, I want to know what your right. name is and so I can reach out and, and you know contact you for whatever reason. People don't do that so much at I times. Know. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. blown away by that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, underneath your name, it says, be curious, be kind. And I think, I think that short phrase there or two sentences, they, it ultimately sums up what will drive great, a great networking experience. First of all, be uh-huh. curious. And one of the, the most incredible experiences that I've, or series of experiences I've ever had interacting with a human being who made me feel amazing when I had a conversation with him, it was a guy named Todd. Todd had a genuine curiosity about him. We would sit down, you know, we would, he was married to a photographer, a local photographer. And so we were naturally at, at various events together and, and had the opportunity to have conversation. His genuine curiosity is something I don't know that I've ever experienced in any conversation with anybody before, uh, before or since. And it, it was just like, oh my word, this person's actually interested in me. And we'd sit down at dinner, and if he was across the table or sitting next to me, I, I was in for this barrage of, of curious questions that, came, mm-hmm. that seemed to come from just this most genuine place, and it made me feel amazing. Right. And, and you remember it to this day. hundred I mean, percent. What kind of experience, how often does that happen? And I think that is the idea of, and also you probably, when you meet somebody new, the, the most comfortable thing, like, right. Psychology tells us that the easiest thing for us to talk about is ourselves. Sure. So if you kind of take your foot off the gas and you say, tell me about you, what are, tell me your story. Tell me about your business. Tell me what you're doing. Yeah. It, it, I always like to make people feel really comfortable when, when we get together. Um, and so that's a really easy way for, for that conversation to happen. A hundred percent. It's yeah. And again, it's about they're they're, you know, back to the original uh, theme, I think of our conversation at this point, which is about, uh, it's about others. It's about Mm -hmm. the other person. It's not about us and make it about them. It it really, it does shift perspective. It's just tone and you're in for potentially a really great experience. There was somebody that came up to me, I think it was at the United conference and I wish I remember who, but they asked a really interesting question. I'd never heard it framed this way before. Mm-hmm. Um, they said, what's cool about being you right now? And oh, I was like, yeah. wow. So yeah, when we're talking about this idea of giving the other yeah. person an opportunity to talk about themselves, first of all, they're going to be just kind of totally taken aback because somebody doesn't take the time to ask an interesting question, but the question still revolves around them. And like you're pointing out, Ashley, it's easy for them to talk about themselves. So um, and that, that kind of sets them up 
to launch into conversation, which naturally, if, if you're just paying, even halfway paying attention, you can continue to ask questions based on what information they're feeding you. And now the conversation has gone for five, 10, 15 minutes, and you've had yeah. the opportunity to get to know somebody on a deeper when level. You're, yeah, you're finding those commonalities where you are connecting genuinely. Oh, I have a dog too. And oh, yeah, I have, a, you know, I want a burner. I have that, right? You're, you're figuring out what you guys have in common. And really, I think that's what's like you say, genuine relationships. That's what it's all about. Then it's funny. The other side of this coin is if I'm never asked about myself, that tells me a lot about the person I'm talking. One hundred percent. Yep. Right. So, and, and and it's not like I'm looking for that, but that also tells me something. If all we do for forty-five minutes is talk about your business and your life and everything. That's great. It was super fun for me to learn and be a part of that and add any value I could. If it's never reciprocated, yeah. that tells me a lot about the person yep. or the potential partnership as well. So there's also kind of that piece that I think is is strategic and smart when you're meeting new people to also say, and at this point, honestly, you know, if you're even 10 minutes into a conversation, you've definitely found a handful of things that you know, you guys are similar in. Yeah. Yeah. And you can talk about, you know, and I honestly, especially in this industry, I do love the wedding world. I mean, this community is my absolute favorite and why I dedicate my life to this bunch, but really it's maybe 5% of the time. Does someone not ask me, Hey, so, so tell me a little bit about you too. But in those 5%, I go, Hey, it's probably not a relationship. I'm going to continue to put effort yeah. and pursue. Yeah. So it's it's valuable in in that way too. Um to kind of know more about what their intentions are in the meeting too. And and it becomes you you're, you're curious. You're not selling. You're not you're not pushy. You're, it's not that gross salesy oh networking. Exactly. I don't want to go to that thing. Exactly. It's like, hey, there's like 50 people in this room I don't know anything about. Oh, that's going to be fun to learn, right? Mm-hmm. It just it's a completely separate mindset yeah. when you look at it that way. And I think it also takes the pressure off of you're not focused on you. And I think women feel this uh, more than men do, but like making sure that they are kind of industry standards with trends, with their clothes, with their jewelry, with their makeup. Do they look okay? We have kind of this, this other layer of why networking events are, are tougher. Like, I want to put my makeup on today. <laughs> um, a lot of people will resonate with that. I'm like, oh. but it's this idea of like, but it's not about you. So sure. even if, yes. you know, I've honestly, I've come to a you know, a, a, a much more formally dressed event. And I was running as a mom between, um, you know, different things. And I was just in what I was wearing for the day. And, and, I, and, and everybody in the room was like, oh, there's Ashley. Hey, like, it wasn't like, oh my gosh, she's wearing yoga pants to this event. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh no, hey, Ashley, oh my gosh, I haven't got to see you forever. So I think people know that about you when you show up that way of like, hey, here to learn. And it, and we're shifting the focus from ourselves to others. And I think, again, it kind of helps us feel not as self-conscious in our own appearance or in what we're saying um, anyway. So why not do that? And why not shift your mindset to, to think about other people? E is the last letter in this word awesome in this acrostic uh, email yeah. marketing, another loaded topic. And I, I, I want to ask, a, I guess, a similar or question in a similar vein um, as I did for education. How do you go about email marketing when there is already so much 
of it. People are getting mm-hmm. hundreds. I mean, I I see oh, yeah. some people walking around with their phones. You know, they open their phones up and you see the the, the little badge icon on their their email. It's like a thousand one hundred and sixty <laughs> email. Um, oh, they're they're just yeah. scrolling through all kinds of email communication all the time. So how does it make, and and I know this is a broader question, but maybe Mm -hmm. a philosophical principle by which you approach email marketing that enables you to set yourself apart from all the other junk that's already in their email inbox. Mm -hmm. So this is, this comes back to a concept that we teach, honestly, kind of pre awesome. When we, when we coach and train, it's about learning your ideal client or what we call your ideal client profile in a really in-depth way. So we talk on two different terms for ideal client. We talk on demographics. Those are pretty easy. People know about that. There's lots of teachings on that. But we also talk to a facet of the psychographic. So how do they make decisions? What are they fearful of? What do they value? We go really deep in that at the abundance group uh, teachings and trainings that we do. So that's a really important piece for us. And it plays in the email marketing because I'm going to be able to create hooks and subject lines that actually are relevant to the people that I want to open that email. (laughs) If I know that cash flow keeps them up at night, I know that um, a really tough experience with the mother of the bride, I'm talking to all the planners out there. They're like, yep, (laughs) Um, that's a tough one or that's a pain point in my business. If I know how they feel and how they respond to Again, what they value, yep. I can write a, because really in email marketing, right? It's all about the hook, really. I mean, obviously your content has to be killer on the inside of the email too, but really to have them open the email, kind of what you're talking about, when there's thousands of other emails they're getting. When you think about your own reason for opening up an email, um, like for me, I get probably honestly 500 to a thousand emails a day, truly in all my different inboxes. My daughter is turning two next week. She loves Moana. Disney knows that I've clicked on a bunch of stuff on Moana. So they're sending me like Moana prompted subject lines. You bet. I open every single one of them. <laughs> my daughter is one of the most valued things in my life. And I know it makes her happy. And she says, Moana, Moana. Like all she wants to do is watch Moana. Hey, I get it. Like, but as her mom, I love that. And it speaks to my heart in a way that I'm like, I'm totally opening up that email. So Disney does this really well for parents, right? And I think that's the kind of thing where they know and they understand what I value. So they can speak to how they're going to give me value. They're going to show me things that, you know, are really cool, that are toys that they can sell, right? Something they're selling, which is great, but I still love it. Like I'm really jacked to open up that email and see what I can get for her um, that she'll be excited about to open on her second birthday. Um, So, right. I mean, that's very specific to like a current reality, but I think that kind of showcases um, a way to know your client well. So in the wedding world, um, if your ideal client is, you know, someone that I was, talking with a photographer, they love to shoot elopements. They love travel, right? That's going to be a very different hook or a different email sequence or a different campaign, a different way of thinking about email marketing than someone that, you know, likes to shoot local weddings or has, um, you know, relationships with some venues or, right? It's a different narrative. So when we know our, our ideal client and the psychographics of our ideal client, it enables us to give more relevant and more valuable content in our email marketing. So way more teachings and way, way more of a route we can go to. Oh, yeah, that's, no. I think, 
um, a big piece of that. Well, and, and I mean, you've alluded to it already, but certainly I don't want to shy away from making mention of the Abundance Group again. And for everybody listening in, if you just go to the abundance.group, and we'll link to this in the show notes as well. Um, as Ashley alluded to, there's a lot more education to be had around these topics. And we kind of touched on these briefly, and they're loaded topics, many of them. So make sure that you go yeah. check out the website, see the resources there. Just briefly in closing, um, we've had some really great conversation today. But I know that you mentioned to me uh, via email, I think it was, that you recommend, I mean, these are, this is a lot. Like if, if somebody listening oh, is like, I have to do all of this, they're just immediate, they're already overwhelmed right now. Oh, totally. You recommend mm-hmm. focusing on just two or three of these ideas at a time. Can you just explain very briefly the thought process behind that? Yeah. And so I'm a big believer in the, you know, the rule of three and making sure that it's digestible bite-sized pieces. Cause I want, I want everybody to take action because that's the differentiator. We talked about that, right? Yeah. Keeping moving forward. Um, so yeah, seven pillars, it's really heavy and it's a lot. Um, that's just like any, any kind of marketing you can do for your business. What we believe and what we teach on is picking two to three of the pillars that really for you is in your strength space. So for me, for example, again, I love meeting new people and telling their story as I've talked about. So it's pretty obvious for me, M is one I use a lot because I love to meet new people, hear their stories, and I like to add value. So for me, that's a really easy one. And I really love doing it genuinely. So that's another thing too, is you're going to hopefully be marketing your business just a ton. It's a huge part of being a small business owner. So pick the things you enjoy doing and that you're good at. So, and honestly, usually those are the same thing, right? Usually those, the the things that we're good at, we also enjoy doing, but so it's really about narrowing in on, you know, three of the pillars, for example, and just giving your efforts and your resources, you know, time, money, your network to those three pillars that feel best to you and feel that you get lit up when you think about doing and like, Hey, if social isn't that, but meeting people is or vice versa, I think that's when you're doubling down on those things that you love and that you're really good at, um, that's when you see kind of compound growth within marketing strategies. Well, I I can't thank you enough for making time to share with us today. This was a wonderfully wide ranging conversation and your, your insight is wonderful. Your perspective not only about these various topics, but ultimately about life is something that very much resonates with me. And um, I hope will resonate with our listeners as well. Can you just remind everybody where they can find and follow you and your companies online? Yeah. So on Instagram, I'm just um, at tag Ashley, T-A-G-A-S-H-L-E-Y. And T-A-G is this the abundance group. That's why that is. Um, And I thought it was kind of funny. I was like, hey, take it, take it, right? Um, someone thought that was funny. And I was like, yeah, Smart. it sounds great. Um, yeah. And that's all of our uh, abundance group teaching and training. We do a lot of free resources for that. We also have a Facebook group called Wedding Pros Guide to Abundance where dad and I, we're going to hop off here and I'm going to do a live training um, in that group where we kind of really uh, just go deep on one key nugget every week and then an action item. So again, we want you to make that progress. So Wedding Pros Guide to Abundance is a Facebook group. And then Simply Elegant is just Simply Elegant XL. That's our wedding planning company. So, yeah. And we'll put all of these in the show notes, bocapodcast.com for everybody listening in. Um, Once again, thank you, Ashley, for making time for the Boca Podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Will you let us know what you thought by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? 
And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at photographersedit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Milu, the simplest way for photographers and coordinators to collaborate on shot lists and timelines for weddings, parties, and other amazing events. Visit Milu, M-I-I-L-U dot com. This podcast is also brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom image editing for the professional photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. dot com.